For all of you who listen to Mackie Second Floor Studios Presents Submersion and own an Android device, do me a favor. Go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I use the app, and I love it. I can search for the podcasts I want to listen to, select them as favorites, and have them all just a click away. Make sure to set Mackie's Second Floor Studios as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Uh, let's see. What are we on? Episode 34 I actually, I actually don't even know. Yeah, so that's what it's like. 34. Yep. All right. Episode 34. Oh, you stole my thunder, you <laughs> son of a gun. Is that going to be real? Woo! Let's roll with it. Let's just roll with it. We have to. <laughs> All right. And we're back. Rom's back. That's the that's my favorite thing about this. He's been absent for a couple weeks now. Yes, but he knew he could not miss the final week of Japanese movie ah. month. Ah. I, I am <laughs> I'm not sad to see that go. <laughs> Yes. But. Japanese movie month, week five, because some months have five weeks. Most of ours do. The months we make up, apparently. Yeah, they, they have to. all over the place. But, well, yeah. we go off a different calendar than the rest of the world. I feel like we really spread our wings on this one. We've got a lot of different stuff, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pretty happy to return to um, a set of more... Um, traditional submarine films as you think whoa 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 i am sorry i was trying to be delicate with it but Ooh, yeah we got some classics coming up I i'm guess just looking forward Not to watching a anything. good movie again yeah well <laughs> I feel like yeah. it's been like four Depends months on your tastes come on dude latitude zero <laughs> legit <laughs> it has been a while since we really buckled down and did like a classic one so you know that's true next, next bunch of weeks are gonna be we know what you listeners want actually we don't <laughs> yeah we just kind of make it up emails. as we go for the love of God, we have an email address you can send it to. We never say it, but you yeah. can definitely do it. Mackie Second Floor Studios at gmail.com. Send us comments, questions, make fun of us. We don't care, whatever. Hey, send us hey, something. We care. I also want to make a we quick have thin correction. Skin. So last week we aired a submersible episode, submersible pod, because I was away and couldn't record. And you guys are so nice, and you're like, he's the star, and like that's why he gets paid the big bucks, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you waited for me, and but like we aired so I aired submersible one from a while ago, and during that one I forgot I had said that Andre Bronger, who's a star of Last Resort, <laughs> yes, was in The Wire. He's not. Oh, you lied. I lied. He's in the precursor to the wire by the same guy, David Simon. He 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 was in Homicide. He was a police officer in that. I can't I believe you, man. Yeah, I know. I was just like, I, I was horrified when Patrick was like, uh, he was in Homicide, not the wire. I was like, shit. But at least you were forthcoming, right? And I I just wanted to make sure that people didn't think I was like confusing him for another you know black person because like I'm I'm notably not a racist. I'm like the not racist person on this whole podcast situation, and I just wanted Wait. to make sure that it was clear. He seems like a guy that would be on The Wire. I'll just say that. I don't even know this show. (laughs) Dive, 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 dive. Oh, wait. See, I I really screwed it up there. (laughs) Dive, 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 dive. (laughs) See, you were even ready with the sound effects this time. Kind of. I mean, I wasn't there. That was getting out of hand really quick. Yeah. We went all over the place. What began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. Mac East Second Floor Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, Alex the Mustard Man, the artist formerly known as Brom, Jamie the Brain, Kyle El Capitan, and Zach the Backbone present Submersion. Brom, what did we what did we watch this week? Or what did some of us watch this week? Well, some, of, some of us watched and uh, some of us slept through Blue Submarine Number no. 6, Japanese anime. The yes. classic. Everyone knows it. Everyone loves it. Everybody Blue was Submarine raised no. on Blue Sub Number no. 6. Yeah, so this is four episode, uh, like what do they call them? OVAs, is that right? Original video animated video? OVAs, I, I think. Uh-huh. Video animation. OAVs. Sounds legit to me. Something like that. And, and you know, so it was created for release <clears throat> to video in a four episode. It's from 1998. Yep. And it's wild. 
it's real crazy. We thought the last one was crazy. Super Dragon. Yeah, this is crazier. This is even crazier. Right. This is, I think this is really, when I was watching, I was like, okay, this is what anime is. This is anime. I, I get it now. Well, then, this is well, what then it is. Yeah, because we watched two of these in a row, and I remember you even asked about the first one. Yeah. You said, Alex, is all anime this crazy? I think we know now. Yes. Yes, it is. It is yes. crazy. And it's even crazier, because the previous one, Super Dragon, I felt like there was a lot of like war stuff that was pretty grounded in reality. At there least. was like battleships and stuff like that. Whatever not, Unders- undersea battleships and stuff. Not in blue sub number six. No, it is fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna need like six hours. To yeah, we just set this. we set the we set the timer for six hours, and yep. now we're gonna go. Okay. Do you have any more? It. Do you have any more like facts about this one before I we really jump into don't. it? Okay. So we open up, and everything's looking like shit because we see a submarine for a second it dives it's all kinds of 3d animation whatever not important but we see it's basically post-apocalyptic the town that we're looking at which is some part of japan i think uh is not basically underwater and there's a small piece of uh, area or small piece of the city that is still above water right we see a couple crewmen from blue sub number six uh or submarine blue number six uh on land trying to recruit someone that is known to be like the best. He's, He's like the a best total submariner. badass. Yeah, but now he, he operates as an independent submariner after some tragedy in his life, which there's we'll a, find about later. There's not a whole hell of a lot of market for independent submariners. Not now, but in, no. in this post-apocalyptic future, there is because he's like a scavenger. He like oh, that's true. Scavenges all because like all these cities are underwater and stuff like that. So they're living in our paradise. It's the future for you, Kyle. That's what I think. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. So they're going to try to uh, recruit this independent submariner Hayami from his base, and uh, they're recruiting him to help counterattack this guy named Zorndike, who's a rogue scientist that is considered the killer of humanity. He basically. Melted the ice caps and drowned humanity. I mean, it's not, it's not, you'd think, okay, well, maybe it's nuanced. It's not. He like killed a billion people and he's pretty ready to admit it. Oh, he doesn't care. No, he's like straight up. I killed like 10 billion people or something. And I'm not afraid to admit it. Yeah. So what are you going to do to me? Yeah. I'm already here. And like, where? And it's like, you don't you want to know? Um, and so they kind of imply Hayami's like on drugs and stuff. He's kind of living in the shithole, but he's like, no, I'm not doing this. I got a job tomorrow in, in Beirut or Brunei or something like that. And like, I'm just not, I'm not into the idea of just like joining back up with this thing that I used to do. Like, Did you notice the uh, sexual reference he gave here? What do you say? So the, one of the people trying to recruit him was a female. Yes. And he, he says, why don't you stay here with me and we can save something. Save something? That's what he said? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not really. What does that even mean? Makes you wonder. I don't even know. Save the human population. Oh, maybe that was it. Yeah. It's not really going to help. Repopulate. Repopulate the sunken city. (laughs) Uh, Who wouldn't want to live there? (laughs) So anyways, they're like, you know, fuck this. And Kino and and her companion, they leave. And Harami's there just like feeding dogs. And anyways, (laughs) they're going to head back to it. You brought that into it. Right. So they're, they're heading their way back to blue number six, but then there's a big attack that starts to happen. Oh, yeah. Stuff is getting blown up left and right. And there's these kind of big spider robot-y things. I call them spider crab robots. Great. Okay, good. Because spider they came robots. out of the ocean. That's true. That's much more accurate. Thank you. Uh, so there's spider crab robots. They even had big pinchers. They did. And they're like shooting laser beams at everyone. Uh, Kino and, you know, the other guy with them, with her, uh, kind of grab this old lady and they're trying to get away. And it's like, okay, they're going to die. They're like kind of trapped by the spider crab robot. It was funny because they throw her on somebody's back and she's yeah. piggybacking while they're running away, getting yeah. blasted by this spider laser crab. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, Hirami comes by and, and destroys that robot and saves them and brings them back to the submarine. With just an Uzi. Yes. Yep. Shooting other thump, people thump have these yeah. monstrous guns on top of battleships and they can't take them down. Hayami's got some kind of meth powered gun. That's why he's the best. That's right. Yeah. And so they jump on his little boat, his scavenger boat, and he takes them back to the submarine. Mm-hmm. And so we get a little, we start, we get a little brief shot of the bad guy here. His name is Verg. He is a monster. Uh, literally a monster human being mixed together kind of yes he's got this like weird gauntlet thing on his his neck that allows him to speak uh in english or whatever and yeah he's like a crazy person and he's got a like a total dad bod too and like it's just weird it is really weird yeah 
But also about, uh, well, for some time, the people on the blue sub number six have been referring to a phantom ship. Yeah, it's a ghost ship. That's what they're hunting. The ghost ship with the Mo ship, yeah. Yes. Yeah. What did you call that? The ghost ship with the Mo ship? Yeah, let's let's get some booty joke. Oh, it was a ghost butt. Oh, yeah, ghost butt. That was a phantom bottom. Oh, okay. The ghost butt. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I cracked myself up just uh, thinking about it again. That was a good joke. (laughs) So anyways, Miami and Kino, they're going to attack... Blue sub, blue sub number six or submarine blue number six. So hard to remember what they actually refer to this. Blue number six. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Hayami and Kino go out in like the little ship. They call it a turtle. So they go on the turtle and they're owning these spider crabbers. Oh, lighting them up left yeah. and right. And so this one kind of climbs up on top of them and he shoots it away and it gets blasted onto land. And it's kind of just like a little pod is left. And Harami leaves the little ship and goes up and opens it up and out pops with this like goo, uh, like a fish lady. Mermaid. Yeah. A siren. Sure. It's a siren. Topless. Yeah, it's like a man, well, it was made by Zorndike, but like, so like a a half woman, half fish. But she has like the ears of a fox. Yeah. And so he picks her up and puts her back in the water to kind of help her and save her. But she bites him. Yeah. I thought that was going to be something. I thought it was going to turn into something, right? Right? Like immune or disease It should have. They even showed it later. He's sitting there looking at looking his bite at this, mark. Like, I think he it was, doesn't ever come into play again. Guys. I think he was probably looking at it and being like, "It's so human." You and think that's what connection. it was? I think that's what it was. Oh, that the bite mark. He's looking at it, being like, "It could be a human bite mark." Like we aren't so different. It's not like it was fangs that like ripped apart my flesh. It's mm. just like a bite, just like anything. Here's else. my head, and it went way over it. Yeah. Well. So, anyways, it, it, had, it had nipples. <laughs> right, that, no, yeah, for did. sure, yes. That was 100%. the most human thing about it. Were those? I, I would agree. <laughs> 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 so, anyways, Blue Number Six starts to battle a whale ship. I'm. It's not even. It's like a literally a. It, it is a whale with a ship built into it. It's I like don't a, know how to describe it other than that. Yeah, like we talk about fish woman. That's a woman mixed with a fish. This is a whale mixed with a submarine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a submarine with eyes. It's the phantom ship. Yeah, it's, it's not no, it's not the phantom ship. It's not? No, no, no. Those oh. are those are maracas or whatever. Mar- maracas or whatever. Maracas. Oh, no. So musicas. Are, musicas. Yeah, musicas are the are the whales. Right. The ghost ship is what Virg is on. It's, there's only one of them. Yeah, and that's the whale ship, right? No. Get out of here. He's just, that's just a ship. It's a good ship. All right, whatever. So anyways, uh, the whale ship does battle with blue number six and uh, blue number six is able to destroy it. And at the end of the episode, this is the end of the first episode. And essentially Virg, the bad guy, this wolf monster is like nailed it, got him exactly where we want him, which is weird because they just destroyed the Musica. Yeah. And that was about it. So mm-hmm. we don't come to find out exactly what he means until the next episode. So that was episode one. Yeah. We open all these episodes. Open a little bit, a little bit of a recap, and kind of continue on where they're going. And so the ghost boat, ghost ship, ghost ship with the most ship, goes up and attacks the city at this point because they're like, okay, this is how we're we're gonna we're gonna totally have this like intricate plan. Don't worry about it. Yes. So they go up and attack the city, and Blue Number Six wants to do something about it, but another submarine kind of comes along. And goes, this is our territory. Like you go along, you you got bigger fish to fry. Like, we're here to protect the city. And Blue Number Six is like, well, we're also like a badass, though. It's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. So they're going out and they're, he, he's like kind of fucking up a bunch of different stuff, Blue Number Six. And the other, the other submarine gets destroyed immediately. Just like after Blue Number Six says, okay, yeah. we'll leave the area. You got it handled. Boom, they're done. Yes. And we do see a small indication that like the ghost ship shoots off a little thing with some green stuff on it. Yeah, and it goes track. right by goes right by blue number six without them really knowing, and it's got some trackers on it. So yeah. that was like the the main plan is okay. We're gonna attack the city. Blue number six is gonna be told to leave because they they're more important. But we're gonna put a tracker on them they don't know about, and we're gonna follow them to the base. And that's like our, the grand plan is to destroy this hidden base mm-hmm. of the remaining humans on Earth. Yes, but it's all underwater. Yeah. The base. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. So that's why they can't find him. We see it on a little map even. It's like Blue Dome. That's like the one <laughs> where they're supposed to be going. Yep. Um, You'd think they could find him. These monster creatures have nothing else to do than swim think around. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Virg is excited. This guy, this bad guy, is excited to tell his papa, papa, uh, Zorndike uh, about what's going on. And Zorndike is kind of just like, be safe. Don't hurt yourself. I yeah. want you safe. And it's like, okay, well- 
that's not helpful. And Virg is also like super creepy at that point. He's like with like the fish lady. He's like, you were touched by a human, weren't you? And, and then like, he starts licking her ears straight up. Like, like really not even licking, like totally sucking on those ears. It was odd. It was great. What? It was awesome. What? Yeah. Um, you're right. Yeah. So he, he sexually assaults some fish ladies. Um, and then, so blue number six goes all the way to blue dome and they dock in there and we kind of see a whole bunch of different submarines at this point. There's like, that's a submarine from India. That's a submarine from France. That's a submarine from whatever. We're yes. all here in blue dome. Uh, safe forever. Cause no one knows what this is. Uh, not knowing that they had just like allowed the ghost ship of the most ship to, to track them. Did you notice where the, uh, the base, because this is a new base. They lost one two years ago. Hmm. You notice where that one was? No, where was it? Antarctica. <gasps> that might come to play a little what bit later. What is going Japan on? Japan fucking loves Antarctica. I've never, I mean, I guess the thing is from Antarctica. White Out, that movie White Out. But sure I mean, know. what are the odds? Out of five we've watched, three? Is it three? Is it four? It's three. Three. Yeah, three of them. Yeah. Crazy. My God. What what are we doing wrong here in America? We need to start making movies about Antarctica. It does seem like there's like a just a weird obsession with it. <sighs> Maybe because it's know. mysterious. I guess, yeah, because no one knows much about it. Um, anyways, that was great. What was that? Just spilt my beer. No big deal. No big oh. deal. But anyway, part of the big plan that Zorndike is concocting is he wants to remove. Earth's magnetic field. Right. So we, we get a big exposition, exposition scene here because they kind of go through their plan of like what they're going to do. They're essentially going to go nuke Zorndike mm-hmm. at his like secret base where they know, they know where it is. Did you notice um, something weird here pinch, though? Pincer move or whatever, go from both sides, kind of trap them in there or whatever. There's something but, really weird. They were showing the cities that were going to have the most devastation or something along those lines and they showed New York. Yeah, great. Tokyo. Got it. Solid. Yeah. And West Pakistan. Huh. I watched it and even rewound it. I thought, what What am I, what? Well, Why just West Pakistan? It's this future. You don't know what's going to go on. That's true. It's Could gonna, be the place to be. Yeah. It's going to. UAE might be underwater. Probably is. And everybody's going West Pakistan. They're like, I got to get in those Himalayas. They're kind of near there. Um <laughs> So anyways, yeah, so they go through this whole thing. That basically, Zorndike is looking to wipe out the rest of humanity by creating a polar shift, which is, I don't know if you know about much about polar shifts, but they do happen periodically in history. Not human history, but mm. history, geological history. So like, it's kind of ridiculous. It's happened before. It happens periodically. There's been ones that have shifted for like 600 years and then shifted back real quick. Yeah. Like, magnetic shifts don't really destroy much no they're not going to destroy the earth although they have there has been a lot of studies of whether they're linked to extinction so they, they're like dangerous for humanity but humanity honestly being so advanced humanity would survive a polar shift i'm pretty sure and they kind of explain like what the whole thing is oh it's going to dissipate our magnetic field and allow the land to run free i'm like what and, and then, did you and, notice what else you wanted to do and remove the van allen belt which we've seen before yeah. but yeah. That is what it is known for sure not to be a problem. Removing the Van right. Allen radiation belt is not a problem for me. I didn't either. even know it existed until this podcast. Yeah, and then, but like this is 1999. They already knew that it was not a problem to remove. Right, this wasn't brand new. No, this is weird. I was just like, still, like this is like 30 years later after they had made a movie about getting rid of it before they actually knew. Oh wait, no, that's not really going to actually. We need to blow that. it up. Actually, I guess that's what they were doing. They were blowing it out, being like, it's no big deal. Even then, they knew it wasn't that big of a deal right. to get rid of it. So, anyways. Uh, the monsters show up to the base because they've got the trackers on them. Yeah. So, and they start shooting everything up, and the monster, for whatever reason, screams while they're like bearing down on the base. He says, The flags. Don't forget the flags. Oh, really? And then I don't even remember just, this. And then you My just God. see. Flags on the uh, monster sub. Oh, cool. Yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just, po- why? Why is it in there? <laughs> we don't need that. To show he's crazy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> the flags, put them up. So they also, as they're preparing to leave, they see like a psychic sensory person and they get an idea of like how this plan is all going to work. There's this guy that Hayama, Hayami, what is his name? Hayami? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, used to know uh, back when he was in the in, in the army or whatever. Um, who 
uh, had become a, a mutant, basically. He's like a monster. He's like in this little pod. And they're going to be using him to track because he knows where the base is. He was turned into a mutant by, after going to the base, after going to Zorndykes or whatever. Could he have been bit? Maybe. That's that what would have been a good thing. pretty good thing. <sighs> Jesus. And so anyways, there's like this little psychic girl and she kind of helps them with stuff. And there's like this mutant now in like a pod and it's going to go in the submarine. It's fucking nuts, guys. It like, is. Like it is crazy. There was no explanation for the little psychic girl. No. And, she just lets us, sits in a little room telling them where things are and what's and how people are feeling. They never, And she's barely in it. And everything's like color. Yeah, really barely in it. This is like she shows up in episode two for the first time, and then you see her just like a brief moments every once in a while. She's like, and their singing is orange, and this singing is black. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Sure. Um, Have you, did you guys uh, watch the end credits on any of the episodes at all? No, I did not. Why? There's a song at the end that alludes to the orange orange light. I don't. It was weird. I, did you? If you guys didn't watch it, you wouldn't have noticed it. But the yeah. end. All the song, music was pretty weird. Yeah, the song was like a jazz, like jazz, like a smooth jazz. And yeah, the lyric, big band, the song, big band jazz. The song start started like uh, I want to touch you deeper and deeper mm-hmm. into you. I want to vanish into your foam. I want to vanish into your orange light. Oh yeah, no, I wrote this. I wrote that song. You did. Yeah, that's those lyrics are about my life. Okay, well, it's autobiographical. Congrats on making it onto such a classic anime. Yeah, I was only what probably twelve years old when I wrote that one. <laughs> just vanishing into my seafoam prodigy. <laughs> you just like cracking it up. <laughs> Vanish into my foam. Great. <laughs> Parents walk by. <laughs> Jamie, Jesus. cut that shit out. <laughs> He's a genius, but my God, what have we wrought? Um. So anyways, the submarine number six is going off. Hayami's like, I'm getting into this, like, p- my own little pod. The little turtle. Yeah, and he goes out to kind of try to defend them. He gets knocked down pretty quickly. He kind of gets, like... <laughs> yeah! He gets, like, blinded for a second, and then he, like, gets they knocked down. They just shoot out. him down. And he's he ends up in a little escape pod, and he's in, like, this rough ocean. And the Mushio, what they call them, Mutios, uh, the little fish lady, is there, like, kind of looking at him all sexy. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, what's up? Yo, you want to go over to that floating piece of wreckage over there? Yeah. I know this is probably like your friends and family who died in that wreckage, but you want to like bone on that wreckage? And he's like, uh, yes. Of course I do, fish lady. Uh, so anyways, that's the end of episode two. <laughs> so yes. we, we open up and we have this really crazy scene to open up the third one where he's kind of floating around in the ocean and starts to drown. And he's remembering back in his life to when he, when him and that guy who's now a mutant in that pod were like in the army and he's like don't you want to find out what Zorndike is all about and Hayami's like I never really thought about it and then he's like come on it must be interesting to notice like I know where to go and they go in the little turtle and they're like going down this like canyon or whatever uh-huh. and trying to find it and then eventually they find the ghost ghost ship with the most ship and get shot down and they're at the bottom of the ocean and the guy's like you got to get the fuck out of here and Hayami's like I'm not going to leave you and then he's like he totally you get the fuck him. out of here and they, he pulls the thing and forces him to go up to the top he pulls the escape pod yep for him and he ends up going up to the top and never sees the guy again it's the tragic thing that made it so he never could be a submariner again and he's just like really scarred by it and this is all happening while the fish lady, Mudio, is like putting him in like an embryonic state in the ocean and saving his life. Right. And then he wakes up on the wreckage of the blue dome and it's like super bright out and all these Mudios come and they're like, kill him, kill him, kill him. And there's also like these walrus animal people that also are there all of a sudden. I'm like, those are creepy as fuck. Oh, and the ones with the, the look huge- look crazy. Yeah. The huge breasts hanging down. Yeah, the huge. That was dick. really what? odd. I was like, "Oh yeah, they should be." He was captain. also chain smoking like crazy on top of that wreckage. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they even made a point to show that he'd smoked. I don't know, a couple cartons of cigarettes worth of butts on the ground. Yeah. So then we get a we get a, 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 a musica comes over. One of the whale ships comes over and is like, "No, you're my friend. You're pretty cool, actually." And it's more or less super a dragon plot because they're like it's actually all a test us living in harmony was a test they created us to be like his like children and now you have to learn to live with us because we both have our own like needs and wants and we are children of the sea and you're children of the land and it's like whoa <laughs> okay it's got really philosophical <laughs> Zorndike really is a fucking nutball what the hell right and so he got he climbs into the whale I don't know where he's sitting in the whale. Yeah, because it's a whale ship. So it's it not is. actually a whale. It's like 
hollow with a place for him to sit. Yeah. He is the Jonah of Blue Sub number six. Let's not bring the Bible into this again. Okay. All right. All right. Jonah the Whale. Famous fable. No, wait. That's that's not right. It's a real true story because it's from the Bible. <laughs> you can call it Anyways. a mythos. I won't get offended. You won't get offended? No. Even though you, you wrote part of the Bible, right? <laughs> Sorry. That was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> so anyways. How drunk are you right I don't now? Know. <laughs> so Blue Number Six feels like their last chance uh, to gather, uh, get their t- typhoon class. So the whole plan was to get this typhoon submarine, which is filled with nukes, and yes. bring it to Antarctica. And they are going to use all those nukes to destroy Zorndike. And Because typhoons are the largest subs you can just load that bad boy up with nukes. Yeah, they got a whole shitload. At the same time, Verg and all his monster people are also loading up nukes from like a different sub that they found <laughs> in the ice or whatever. Yes. I don't know. And then they're 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 making their way to the base, Zorndike's base, using the mutant who knew how to get there and like the psychic girl. They're like super close against this like really small canyon. Yes. And kind of moving their way through. So But at the same time, Hayami is on his way to that base. With the Musica, yeah, trying to gain a deeper understanding of what Zorndike wants, right? Or why he did this, yeah. And so, Blue Number Six kind of freaks out because like a Musica's coming. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And they end up firing some torpedoes and blowing the shit out of the whale. And oh, we see, definitely. We see like blood splurts, like instead of just like yes. water coming up, like blood like splurts out of the ocean as yes. it gets just totally fucked up. And Hayami's like, no. And the Mutio's like, no. But the, then- The Musica says- It's fine. I'm, this is life. This is what I wanted. This is how it goes. Like, what? <laughs> That's not what I want. No, not at all. And uh, and then Kino shows up in one of the turtles and like picks up Hayami to yep. like take him back to Blue Number She stick. had to repair that beforehand. You know what she used on it? No, what was it? A, a wrench. wrench. That's right. That's oh. Right. Yeah, so- they know it's a test, and basically Hayami's like, give me a shot. Give me a shot to do what needs to be done here. Like, I need to go to Zorndike myself, and we're not we're not blow it up. Just give me a chance. And the captain is kind of like, I, I'm basically, I'm going to pretend like you didn't just say that. Like, go <laughs> do it. I'm just like, not here. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm not going to stop you, but I'm also not going to, like, help you. And not going to endorse it. Right, yeah. And so... He end up, Hayami goes off. He kind of knows the way to go. He's like bringing his like friend, <laughs> his like mutant friend and his like little pod or whatever yep. with him. And so he knows kind of where to go. Although he just kind of just re- releases him into the ocean and then he like flies away and becomes like one of the big like walrus people. And that's the end of that one. <laughs> so anyways, they start to get attacked. The blue number six starts to get attacked. And it seems like the end of the battle and Hayami kind of helps him for a second, but then skedaddles. So like, get <laughs> Sorry, I gotta go. Yeah. And the captain's like, final battle time. This is the start of the fourth episode. So it's the end of the third, into the fourth. And the captain's like, finally, I know Hayami's like real cool and he's real young. And probably like when he was on his own little scavenge ship, he like pulled out his fresh young dick and everyone was like, cool. We love Hayami. He's like a pop star. But like, I'm an old grizzled vet and to forget about it, this dick scene experience. And everyone's like, I like it. I like it when it has like a little gray on in his hair, like a little bit of silver fox going on. Good Lord. A little, a little salt and pepper, really. Oh, great. Going on. <laughs> Really getting into that uh, description, yeah. Uh, it's very it's anthropomorphic. Vivid. <laughs> it's like this, where it's a, the animal like mixed with a ship. My right. penis is mixed with like an old man with a top hat and like a monocle and stuff. Great. Not mine. I'm saying the penis. I'm oh, describing. You, no, you said yours. No, no, not mine though. It's like the one I'm describing. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> you right, guys. You need to see somebody about that. right. How drunk am I? <laughs> Anyways, um, so. Verg banishes Mudio for <laughs> searching humans. That's more or less the last we see of her. She comes up at the very end of the film. But yeah, like, but it's pretty much it. Yeah, it's a real weird storyline for her. She was, you know, whatever. He's a total psycho. Uh, and Hayami uh, go- goes out there and he's like battling spider robots. He's kind of getting close to where Zorn- Zorndike is. And all of a sudden he's with all the monsters, right? There's monsters everywhere, but like, they're not attacking him. Yes. They start kind of guiding him. Yeah. So they're like, he's kind of in this, he's like outside of, he or he's within Zorndike's like realm or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of like this paradise or whatever. Yeah. Down in Antarctica. That's where they're at. Yeah. And it looks like some kind of tropical beach. Right. So he's turned Antarctica into this like, 
Um, I guess you'd call it like a di- Island of Dr. Moreau of sorts. It's like this. That's what immediately what I thought. Yeah. It's like a bunch of Island of Dr. Moreau people and him. And he's like this crazy person. He sits in his thing and he's just like. Little hut. He's like all sad and like super philosophical all the time. He's like life, right? Humans, right? I became real cynical. He's, he more or less describes a midlife crisis to like the extreme of like a psychopath who has uh-huh. ultimate power because he's the greatest scientist the world has ever seen. And he's like, the world will end. Anyways, I'm just speeding it up. So I'm making it so that the world will survive. So the, because the humans, it was inevitable. And it's like, fuck, whoa. It became really cynical. But then why like, did you make these weird monsters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just needed them? We, we gave them, I, I wanted to make, I wanted to make, what did he, he described it like, is he wanted to make like new good things, but then he got out of control and he realized they were just like, Anything else? Any other living things? Creatures? No, they're not hideous. That's what I think. He's the whole point is that he created something, but he 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 no longer controls it. It's it's life. It is life, and they both have their needs. Life uh, finds a way. It does. Yeah. And so, anyways, I do have to mention Blue Number Six is like battling its little heart out. It's like hiding in ice shelves. It's like destroying whale ships. It's kind of like getting away from the ghost ship with the Mo ship and the ghost ship is like really ready to destroy blue number six, but ends up getting tricked. Uh, cause it like, what does it come from two sides of the ghost ship or something? Was that the pinchers thing? I, oh no, it destroys it something. Weird. I don't even know. There's something where they do a whole <laughs> trick and the ghost ship totally blows up. And yes. Berg is, you think he must be dead. You'd be wrong. Ooh. But spoiler alert, he's not dead. But we get this whole thing with Zorn Dyke and I, I'm Probably trying to- Probably like a 40 minute it's the, exposition. Almost, almost the entire- episode so yeah he has him explaining what yeah he did this he had a midlife crisis he was like this crazy genius because like the whole point of them going even going there is kind of why right that was the original question his friend wanted to know too why why is one like why why papa why and (laughs) asking why (laughs) you don't have to sit across and look into his (laughs) eyes when he does that stuff bro uh and he's like basically i was a super genius my work was useless uh, because humanity would eventually destroy the earth. I'm like, okay, so cynicism destroyed you, I guess. That's what it was. Uh, all the cities, like he decided to flood all the cities in order to reduce humanity's size to save earth, but it didn't save it. And so it ended up being a test of sorts that he created all these things. And now the only way to save the earth, because they have two different goals, right? Like mm-hmm. his creatures primarily live in the ocean. And want the ocean. So actually destruction of the land is like beneficial to them, except for Zorndike's little island. Like right. they want to destroy the earth. Whereas humans want to get rid of the ocean. But like they then have to come to some kind of compromise yes. to make it so they can live together. So you have to come into harmony with his creatures, his beautiful, beautiful creatures, including this weird tree monster that he like created, who's just like, I'm like, that seems terrifying. And so uh in the end, Zorndike is like, kill me, I don't care. I have a robot heart. That's right. And it is somehow synced up to the core of the planet. Right. So I, I don't have a heart anymore. Not a real heart, at least. My heart's down in this planet, in the planet. And if you nuke this place, my heart will stop beating and then it will change, switch the poles and destroy humanity. You know, the only way you can do it is by not nuking. So Jaime understands now. No one else does, including the viewers. No right. one understands at all. But he and he brings like a little like a like a berry to Miami and he's like, understand. And I'm like, no, you just have a fucking berry in your hand. What does this mean? Right. What are you talking about? Is it rebirth? Is it death? I'm confused. <laughs> Nobody knows. And then they end up convincing Blue Number Six not to launch the nukes. They're basically like, we took them out. We took down took down Horde Zorndike, which is true. They did kill Zorndike. And Zorndike is dead. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, his heart will continue to not do the polar shit. I think that's the idea. His heart, I'm not sure. His heart I thought will if he died, I thought so too. But was, no, it I don't just think triggered so. the whole thing. No, I think the idea was it didn't matter. He no longer mattered. His heart by beating in the in the earth prevented the polar shift. But if they nuked it, that's he would actually destroy it. That's uh, that's the destruction of his heart. Okay. Yeah. So they end up killing him by just like shooting him in the head or whatever. Right. Because he's still a, he's still like a bag of meat or whatever to shoot him in the head. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. And then he they carrying the body, all his mutants, down to the ocean, and we see stumbling out of the ocean, Verg, and no joke, like eight minutes of Verg beating the shit out of Hiami. And Hiami yes. being like, okay, we gotta talk. Zorndike wanted me to talk. 
And it's like, and that go, yeah, literally about eight minutes. And then Kino's trying to help out. Mudio's there, kind of like doing shit. And, and eventually, then, after what's his name, Verg? Yeah, Verg. Yeah. Verg tires himself out by just beating the absolute shit out of Hayami. He pulls off his like voice modulator or whatever. Yep. So he's like growling now. You can't talk. And then he slumps into the ocean, and the uh, little fish woman who used to love Hayami bones Hayami. Wait, what? No, oh, that's not right. No, no, no. That was just in my dreams. Sorry. Yeah. She goes off with Verg. Right. That's it. That's it. It was. It's really a nuts thing. That it I is. Watch. <laughs> it's. And it sounds like it's six hours long. It's actually like twenty minute episodes. <laughs> <laughs> they pack a lot in. They they did a lot of stuff. They and really decided to bypass regular character development and things like that. You don't need it in 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 lieu of just pure plot. And there was we only barely touched on it. But there is a lot of that big band jazz music. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have some of that. Really strange soundtrack for something like this. Yeah. It's just, it's constant. It is. Yeah, so that was it. Yeah. So, um, Brom, how much did you watch of this? (laughs) Uh, Like one and a half episodes, maybe. Was my description illuminating? Uh, It's about what I expected. Um, I kind of caught the tail end of the Zerg character, um, mm. and that's when it was like kind of getting interesting for me because I thought the the whole first episode was really boring, and I mean they even got like right into the action and the plot, and I'm just like not sold on it. Did you watch the same thing we did? Yes, I mean it's it was literally action. It wasn't interesting to me though. Which was your? Oh, I guess you couldn't say what your favorite episode was. You could. Uh, I could. I, I, do you want me to go ahead and just sort of get into my sort of review of it? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I thought you know I, I I don't know if I've ever seen an anime like this that blended in like 3D animation with it. Is that something that you guys had ran into yet with? Uh, Japanese movie month and the animes you've watched. Uh, no. Was there any of that in Super Attraction? No, and no. I'll get I'll get into this a little bit with my and, Okay, yeah. and I've never I seen uh, seen that in the anime that I have watched. I'm not a big anime guy. We should have had uh, Alex for whatever reason didn't want to watch this one, but yeah, Alex, he didn't watch uh, it at all. He really Alex resisted. would sort of be our go to <laughs> on reviews, so you can take my review with a grain of salt. But I do not like really any anime. Uh, I've watched uh, Attack on Titan, Sword Art Online. Uh, probably the mo- the one I've enjoyed the most was the Castlevania uh, Netflix original series. Mm. And okay. obviously, I watched a lot of you know anime on Toonami and the the Shonen Jump anime growing up, uh, like Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, Yu Gi Oh, all those. Never really got into anime. Not been my thing. It's it's. It always seems overly dramatic. The plots are just so bizarre. I love, I love the, the nugget, you know, of of the plots. You know, like this one's cool. You know, like the island of Doctor Moreau is exactly what I thought as well. And you guys mentioned it. Uh, you know, there's like something cool there, and it's very creative. And then it just ends up coming off just super weird, mm-hmm. super uh, uh, dramatic. And I always seem to sexualize, you know, young girls. Like those Little Mermaid creatures were like nine-year-old girls just naked flopping around on the beach. And I'm like, <laughs> not into this. And uh, <laughs> ended up falling, falling asleep on it. And when I woke up, uh, it had played through all four four episodes. Uh, See, I, I got to disagree because I'm pretty sure those music. At one point, they showed the driver's license and clearly 18 years old. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Obviously. thank God. They were all you from, just missed it. It was in the end of episode two. They were all from Idaho. Yeah, it was weird. But they had to they had to drive somewhere. They had to go on a road trip and they pulled out their driver's license and they were like, oh, I just, I turned 18. And they're like, weird. oh, me too. And they all showed their driver's license. It's like, okay, yep. 18, 18, 18. It was 18. real okay. uh, mm-hmm. Britney Spears Crossroads style Love that movie. Glad to uh, glad to hear that. I will bump mm-hmm. it up a point for that up to two, two, to a two out of twelve. Oh my god! Wow, <laughs> that is low. That is very low. You know what, Kyle? I want you you go second. Okay, go last. All right. So the music was so weird to me at first. Not the musicas, the whale no. ships. The actual those are completely normal to you. Those were normal. <laughs> the uh, big band jazz stuff really 
it added an element to the battles that I that made them kind of funny to me. Yeah. Just because of the way it was going. It was also a little repetitive. I felt like it was it really was in my head by the end of it. Oh, yeah. Just like the same kind of like yep. sound and tone to it. Yeah. And but. even it was funny, though, because some of the scenes they had some really, if stuff was heating up, they'd have a really nice like trumpet solo. Yeah. Oh, here we go. It did kind of grow on me, which I don't know what that says about me. Master of impressions over there. Yes, with his, with his uh, trumpet impression. Which I, was, I feel like I've ran into the the jazz on another anime or two that I that I have watched. I don't know which oh, one really? it would have been. I feel like I, I feel like it's not too far. Oh, okay. Uh, in left field, but maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I've I've got very limited experience with anime, as you mentioned, Dragon Ball series. I also really enjoyed Afro Samurai, uh, starring Samuel Jackson. You're talking about Dr- Dragon Ball Evolution, the live action. Yeah, uh, interpretation. I don't of even that. know what that is, <laughs> but <laughs> the uh, some of the characters I thought were a bit odd. The girl, a little psychic. Yeah, no idea what the hell yeah. she was, but that's could have done without her. The actual plot did get fairly interesting. I like some of the things Zorndike was bringing up. Like <laughs> I kind of agreed with him. Yeah, he's a genius. No, but <laughs> he was talking <laughs> about humanity, right? He was talking about how the human, you know. Humans have not actually progressed that much because we still have these basic animal instincts. And I thought, oh, maybe there is something to this guy. Hmm. Genocide. <laughs> <laughs> that is not where I was going with that. So, so anyways, score? score for this. It was much less confusing than Super Atragon. I did, they did more... Explanation, I think, mm-hmm. in the end, yeah. Uh, I wish I could have understood Verg mm-hmm. better. He had a bad voice, but uh, yeah, he did have a bad voice. It's yeah, kind very, of like a, very weird like an adolescent. Dub. Yeah, I'd I'd go with a six two five. Wow. Okay. Good. And I'm gonna come in, come in hot. I actually thought Kyle was gonna go a little lower than that because I straight off the bat, I'm just gonna say my score. I enjoyed this. I'm gonna give it a seven. Wow. Um, I I don't think, I think I probably, if I watched anime, I'd think of this a little bit less fondly, I guess. Cause like you look at the reviews and you look at how people kind of perceive this anime. And when it was first released, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, um, it, it was highly regarded for a variety of reasons. And now they kind of look back and, and I agree, it lacks a lot of char- regular, just like normal character development because they pack so much into it that they have to, do exposition, 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 other than these key moments where they decide to do, usually at the beginning or at the end of an episode, where they do kind of these long, drawn-out, very artistic things. So, like, him almost drowning in the ocean is done in this very, you know, kind of artistic flashback slash him floating through the water. And yes. It's very beautiful scenes and you know, advances the plot. doesn't necessarily give much about who that character is or what's really going on. No, it's literally just plot. It is literally, okay, here's some background. Here is, yes. you know, kind of who this mutant that he's going to, you're going to come to know in episode three is. Here is what he had did before that's going to come into play later in the episode. It's just pure, 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 like plot, plot, plot. And you start to have these characters like Mutio, who is like a major character. Right. Who doesn't, doesn't doesn't really her her storyline doesn't really come to any fruition. It's not like no, we don't really know anything about her or anything at all. Yeah, yeah. she just kind of is, and they save each other, and it's part of the reason why Harami becomes like kind of the savior of this whole thing, and that's it. So it lacked some of the nuances, maybe of a really well thought out series, and maybe it should have been longer or something. So you would really you would need it, it to be more than like eight episodes, four episodes yeah. at this length, right? Because about a half hour piece. And I think they were probably more focused on the visuals. But I enjoyed it, and it's one of my first forays. I even put in some requests at the library for a couple of the other like highly regarded, you know, stuff you know, anime that's around, um, you know, just to get a, more flavor of it because I was at least piqued by this. So, I, I yeah, would be if uh, just to encourage some uh, listener response as well. If anybody wants to tell me, like, give me, I'll give it one more shot because I tried Attack on Titan, which is supposed to be like phenomenal, and I watched season one and two, hated it. Sorry, so, what's this? Attack on Titan. Oh, okay, okay. But I mean, I know there's like uh, Full Metal Alchemist, Ghost in the Shell, Cowboy Bebop. I know there's some like other critically acclaimed. So if anybody wants to chime in and and tell me like 
This is uh this is strike three, so let let me let me know. <laughs> pick pick the best of the bunch. I'll I'll watch it again one more chance. But I just cannot get into anime. All right. Well, <laughs> listeners, hit Brown up on Twitter. Jamie too. It sounds like. Did you uh, request any of those, Jamie? I haven't yet. No, I did. Which I did ones one, did you request? I requested just a really old one of the one of the kind of the original ones, the ones that like really started the whole like Akira um, anime or... stuff. No, this is like a one from the sixties, Panda and the White Snake or something. White Snake and the Panda. Or something. Wait, that's okay. a thing. Requested mm-hmm. <laughs> from the library, and actually, it's pretty good because it's one of the first times that I'm going to be going through WorldCat, which is kind of like the world library system. Yeah. And but it's at a library in Minnesota that just doesn't happen to be on our like full. Or our local like library system order. We support our local library. Wow, we're huge proponents of the local library system. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're ever looking for anything, they can get it for you. And I can talk about it forever. We should actually probably just have a library podcast. Yes, we should. At the library, because there's actually a recording booth at our library. Because it's great. Ooh. Support your local library. And we just got a new um, library in our hometown too. I haven't been to it yet, but maybe go we got to a, it. Maybe we got a recording studio there too that I don't know about. You probably. may. I go to the library every day. That's a little fun fact for you. Every day? Every single day, because I work near there. Huh. Hmm. I go there quite often. Actually, uh, where I work you're even is connected. Yeah, you're even closer. So anyways, I'm going to get into a little trivia. So this was based on a 1967 manga of the same name, Blue Sub 006. It ran in serialized form in Weekly Shonen Sunday. It's the third biggest manga magazine behind Weekly Shonen Jump and Weekly Shonen Magazine. Right. So I think it's actually, I should have said it's the biggest shonen manga magazine, maybe third biggest. I don't know. Uh, it's part of a genre called shonen, which is for 12 to 18 year old boys. That's oh, that's why okay. I don't like it. Yeah. So then, it, and it ran in three <laughs> volumes. So the, so the story, original story ran in three volumes, three manga volumes. Okay. Then it was re-released in anticipation of this in uh, between 1998 and 2000 in five volumes instead. Um, under the name A zero six, and this was in, done in anticipation of OVA, which was released in when was it nineteen ninety eight or two thousand? What this? Yeah, this was the one we watched ninety eight. Ninety eight, yeah. So, anyways, they they released it kind of as concurrently with these episodes, I guess. It also has two video game adaptions for the PlayStation and the Dreamcast. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. These were called uh, Blue Sub Number Six Antarctica and Blue Sub Number Six uh, Antarctica Time and Tide, and served as a prequel and sequel for the movie. Uh, and they were only released in Japan. So sorry. Ah. Although I've gotten I've gotten Japanese only games before for my different. I always I used to look for those, those when I was like younger. Region locked. Yeah. I don't know. I've gotten them for my DS with no problem. Huh? Yeah. Like the. I remember back like, in the day, you had to get a. You had to kind of hack your PlayStation a little mm. bit because I. Oh, I could see that with the discs. Yeah, that's true. I wanted to get something. I remember. What, I can't remember if I was like ten years old. I wanted something for my PlayStation. You were twenty-two years old. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Twenty-two. <laughs> I told my parents I wanted it, and it was on eBay. It was one. I think it was some kind of Dragon Ball Z game, but I wanted this one. It was $150 oh on God. eBay. Needless to say, I didn't get it. And I still remember it to yeah. this day. I have, I have a couple <laughs> I have a couple of Japanese games for my DS because I really, really loved this game called Elite Beat Agents. Yeah. And it had it had a couple mm. of games in Japan um, that were, you know, even harder than Elite Beat Agents. But more I, elite? Even more elite, although I was one of the best players in the world. Don't worry about what, it. What? I could actually do levels of that with my eyes closed because I played it so much. <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, I actually, up. the only game I ever wanted that was region locked uh, and it fits the theme of the episode here was Shonen Jump S- Superstars for Nintendo DS. Nice, and Shonen, there we go. I never, I never could have um, got my hands on it, but All right. I ended so up let's, emulating it. So number four, soundtrack was sold separately as two albums. And it's primarily by the band called The Thrill, which is a pop slash big band type of band. It's, okay. hard, to, it's hard to read. It's type, <laughs> a type, big type band, of band type, band. Type, 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 big band band. Okay, so number five. The OVA was generally well-received, uh, mostly in regards to its mix of CGI and traditional animation. Ooh, people liked it, Which at liked the time it, huh? was very innovative. Um, and at this now at this point, it's pretty standard. So that is a huge part of anime now is a mix of... Um, you know, three the CGI plus anima, uh, animation, and but I think it's just better now, so it's harder to tell which is which. Like right. this was obvious a lot of the time yeah. uh, when they switch between the two. Retrospectively, it's been um, 
kind of criticized for its lack of character development and tendency to drop plot points. So they would kind of have a bunch of things going on and then kind of just forget about them and not worry about the fact that they never really close circle. Like the line. little psychic kid on exactly. the submarine? Yeah, it's things like that where it's like, when you think about it, and I've read that, and it probably colored how I viewed it. I, I might have even given it a seven and a half or something if I didn't read these kind of things where it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I know they're right. Yeah, it's true. It, it really is like super plot heavy, really focused on visuals, but not as focused on its characters, which is probably not great to its detriment. But it's enjoyable to watch. For sure. Visually. All right. So for my uh, casting what ifs, I love films with numbers. I could have done either colors or numbers here, right? So blue or submarine blue number six, but I decided to do numbers and I was just playing a little game with Kyle here. In terms oh, of, and in I terms was of, nailing the colors. In terms of the colors. I was like, okay, name a movie with red in the title. Hunt for Red October. What about yellow? Yellow submarine. What about gray? Gray lady down. What about black? Black Sea. Do you notice anything about this, Brom? <laughs> Uh, were they all submarine movies? They're all submarine oh. movies. He's just crushing, he was just crushing these and colors. <laughs> we were, we, he was just sitting there asking me, and he, of course, he's the first things that just popped in my head. Yeah. I thought, oh, okay. What's and Gray we were Lady so Down? Mad I that we heard weren't recording it. That we just recreated it here. Yeah. For all you listeners out there. Have so we anyways, done Gray Lady Down? I haven't heard of that one. I think it's we coming up, not. right? It is coming up. Yeah. It's coming up. So, but I, I'm doing numbers instead. That was me. Not <laughs> cracking my toes. I thought, I thought my uh, dog was walking around. <laughs> nope, just my cracking my toes like a normal, great person <laughs> doing great things that everyone loves. Um, so numbers in the title for films. So uh, one, one for the money, starring Katherine Heigl. Two, two weeks notice. How about two, two for, for the money with uh, Matthew McConaughey? Oh, good. What about, one for the money uh, what about Three Kings? We what about little, Three for the Money? Three for the Jones. money. What about Four? Four Brothers. It's another, another Wahlberg film right there. Yes. What about f- Five Easy Pieces for Five? How about that one? Or A Fifth Wave. What about Five a, like, for terrible the movie. Oh, how did you not say Three Amigos for number three? That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Sepuku, right? That's all I got to do? Seppuku. Yep. Um, so what other actors from films with six in the title? So I went all the way up to six. Six in the title might have been good here. So Big Hero Six, TJ Miller. Do you know who that is? Yeah. 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 Comedian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ooh, voice. His voice. Yeah, his just voice. his voice. Zerg, right? Yeah, Zerg, yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What about Ridiculous Six, Adam Sandler? <sighs> Ridiculous Six. I feel like he's got to be the captain now or something, right? I, yeah. He could be, he could be Verg, too. He could <laughs> also Verg. Do his, like, Verg Billy, Matt, the do his sequel. Billy Madison voice. The sequel, Verg 2, rated R. Um, Shampoo is better. <laughs> that was a great impression. Uh, Transylvania six five thousand. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, life finds a way. Jeff Goldblum is for sure Zorndike. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Great. Although I've never Jeff Goldblum ever been a bad guy in a film. Uh, I think there's got to be at least one. Uh, what about the new Thor? Wasn't he kind of a bad guy? He's kind of like a. I haven't seen it. Me neither. I just know it from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so this is getting a little controversial here. What about from Leonard Part 6, one of the worst movies ever made, Bill Cosby? <laughs> Who would Bill Cosby uh, be? I don't want to give him the captainship because he's, like, he's, <laughs> he's done terrible things. You don't want to be a captain. You also don't want him to be Zorndike. I mean, kind of a complicated character. Bill Cosby's not complicated. It's just it's terrible. Um, who? Yeah, I don't know who to put him as. So what about Ed Harris, the incredible Mr. Sixpack? Oh, Eddie. Hayami. You think so? I don't know. I feel like he's captain. We didn't get a Hayami in there, though. No, yeah. none of those people other than Ed Harris. I guess. That's why I want him. I guess as I did a Ridiculous Six, I could always do Taylor Lautner. He's Hayami, right? I forgot that. I forgot that guy even existed. Yep, he would well. be Hayami if Ed Harris were captain. Good. Because they both have great six packs and probably Taylor Lautner would do like a quick backflip and also do like a kick because he knows karate or whatever. Does he? He does. He does it in every movie he does. Uh, All right. So Phantom Zone time. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. I'm going to go a little easy this week. Hachu Atsuku, Suka, voices a co-navigator on Blue Number 6. He was the one who's kind of hitting on the other navigator oh, a couple times. Oh, yes. 
Um, and he also voiced Inspector Gronsky and Professor Layton in the Eternal Diva, which is something which I you use. already use this. I use it for Super uh, Dragon. So I'm just going to jump into that cycle and get it over with because you know what? We probably talked, what is it, like been three hours or something? Was uh, it three and a half hours? I think we've been at it for a while. Yeah, we're going to have to cut out a bunch of it. Uh, all right. It's time. It's, it's sub, 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 sub world, world, world wide. wide. So, with this being our final week of Japanese Movie Month, now that's not to say we're not going to potentially do another Japanese movie we're in the future. Definitely going to. We've yeah. just been doing these yeah. for five we gotta, weeks. We got to do some of the. We got to figure out which Godzilla film it really has like a submarine focus and do that mm-hmm. one at some point. I've got Shin Godzilla upstairs right now. You can check it out and see if it's got uh, a lot of yes. submarines in it. I need to. Uh, so, anyway, I went with the Kaichu type. Submarine. Good. And specifically, I'm just going to, when we get into the specs and all that stuff, I'm going to go with the Type 7. It was the most commonly built class. So this is a World War II era submarine, which is a little foreshadowing of our next cycle. Spoiler alert. Yep. So there are many variants, the Type 1 through the Type 7. Out of 45 Kaichus that were built, only one survived Allied anti-sub tactics. Wow. And that was the RO-50. So, the length on these things, 264 feet, one inch. They knew how to build them. Oh, yeah. Power. For the uh, diesel engines, they had two Campon MK-22 Model 10s. I said Campon, not Tampon. Oh, okay. Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) No problem. Uh, For the surface, while they're running on the surface, they could generate 4,200 horsepower while submerged. 1,200 horsepower. Uh, For speed, when they were surfaced, they could cruise along at 19.8 knots. Submerged, 8 knots. This is pretty, I think, decent speeds for World War II submarines. Range, they could cover 5,000 nautical miles while running on the surface, while submerged, 45 nautical miles. Because remember, most most of these earlier subs, submerging was more of a way to hide and get away because we'll talk about that in the weapons here in a second test depth 260 feet so whoa not that deep no it held 61 people for the weapons it had four 21 inch torpedo tubes can i ask you a quick question yes do you think you could if required to swim the 260 feet down to get into one of these submarines (sighs) there are world-class free divers who i'm sure could do that. Yeah, for sure. I would get the bends and die. Mm. I don't think I could even make it that far down before I'd pass out. You'd probably get to like 150 feet. <laughs> That's being quite generous. <laughs> 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 so anyways, they've got four 21-inch torpedo tubes. And online, I thought it was funny, listed them as TTs. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. Those TTs. Yes. So they were all in the front. And... They had none in the uh, back. They could hold. <laughs> That's what that so, means. So party in the front, none in the back? Right. Okay. Kind of like Just like real TTs. Yeah. Yeah. Hey-o. There Hey-o. we go. Uh, <laughs> all right. It could hold 10 torpedoes. On the uh, deck, it had one 76.2 millimeter AA gun and two type 96 25 millimeter AA guns. And the type 7s had air conditioning. So There's can I, not a lot of information I could find on them. I have another question. So that one that survived, what happened to it? They eventually use it as a target for target <sighs> practice and blew it up. This is just tragic. Right. You built so many of these things. Wouldn't it 45, be 45 and you don't even want to save one? You don't want to preserve one of them for posterity and for like historical purposes and so that we can travel to Japan and, and walk around it? I would think you'd want to. <sighs> I'm bringing a tear to my eye. I know. It's sad. All right, Brian, <laughs> it's on a somber note. Yes, on a somber note, we have Japanese sad facts. <gasps> you do not. <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Wow, that was like, like not even planned. Oh, night. shoot. Nope. Sorry, be sad. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Somber. Oh, that keep sucks. It, keep it mellow. You know, pour one out for our Japanese friends. Tube three, ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. 
give it to me. Uh, so a few weeks ago, we had we had Japanese fun facts, and they were really fun. But whenever there's fun, there's also sadness. And mm. now it is time for the Japanese sad. Now, now it, that's <laughs> if uh, I don't want to be like joking about it because there are some sad. There is some sad stuff in here. Uh, oh <laughs> number five. Uh, this was uh, you referred to it in. Uh, <laughs> When I did the fun facts, you're like, uh, "What is it? What's your top five this week, Brian? The top five ways to commit seppuku." Uh, number five is, this is no, but it is uh, in regards to uh, Japanese suicide. Japan has the second highest suicide rate among industrialized nations. It is in, attributed in, in part to Japan's past history of viewing suicide as honorable. Uh, suicide is the le- leading cause of death for women aged. 15 to 34. Whoa. Wow. Wait, so the first what's number one? Yeah, yeah. Is that the United States? Uh, it was Lithuania. Oh, uh, okay. I don't, I don't know why uh, Lithuania is on the map there, but they're number Should one. We'll find out. Move, move there. Let's figure it out. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what? So, sounds like a real bad idea. But uh, on, a, on a positive. Move there and like six months later, you're like, I don't know. I'm I want to kill myself. I'm not feeling it. I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Uh, on a positive note, and it's number four. This is a this is a trending upward here. This is good. On average, Japan experiences only two homicides uh, by firearm per year. So there are good. only two guns in the nation. <laughs> in the entire <clears throat> country, two two. Hom- two homicides per year is what they're averaging. But the, crazy. how many how many homicides by samurai sword or throwing star? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. You guys get on me for saying offensive shit. Uh, number three. Uh, the rest of them are like fun, sad facts here. Uh, number three. Up until 2015, it was illegal to dance in public after midnight. Uh, Japan's war on dance targeted youngsters, DJs, and club owners in an attempt to reduce other crimes, as it was long believed that dance halls and clubs were hotbeds for drug use and prostitution. This is Operation Footloose, right? It is. <laughs> this is the, the, literally the plot of Footloose. That's crazy. I guess it was real Wait, life when over did that Japan. Start? And when did it stop? Uh, started in World War II uh, with American occupation uh, right after World War II and lasted up until 2015 is when it finally ended. <laughs> well, think about it. We've been out at many bars past midnight. There's not a lot of good that's happening after that time if you've been at the bar for a while. Yeah, I can see the merit in it again, and they were uh, like they were cracking down on prostitution, um, which was a real thing there post World War II when Japan was kind of a more impoverished na- nation. There's a lot of prostitution rings, uh, and by cracking down on the dance clubs, they kind of eradicated it or reduced it. So, but 2015, <sighs> they're a wealthy nation once again, great nation. Uh, Time, time, to dance. To, time to end the war on dance. I've never been to a bar because I'm actually only what am I, 16 years old at this point. About to turn 17. So that I know. Man. That's why you love all these Shonen Jump anime. I love it. I'm like <laughs> 7.0, baby. Right in my wheelhouse. I, can't, I just can't wait to drive, really. <laughs> uh, number two. Japan was home to the oldest continuously operating family business in the world, Kongo Gumi, a temple mm. building company. It had been in operation for, for, for 1,400 years. Oh, my and word. Wow. was recently absorbed into a subsidiary company in 2006, technically ending its streak. Oh, oh that's too sad. But opening the door for... Mackie Second Floor Studios. Here we go, baby. Just got to be going. Just got to be. Just got to keep it going for fifteen hundred years. Yes. I think we have we have to get some monetization at some point, or it doesn't really hey. count. And also, we, I, need, we need to. I mean, I, I need to <laughs> keep on advancing science to the point where we can live that long. That should be pretty simple. It's not that hard nowadays. Well, you keep no. at it. You keep at it. If you, you do, turn, you, you um, might uh, you might be uh, you might get uh, noticed here with number one, Jamie. If you uh, ooh, keep being a savant in the science industry, 
In lieu of adopting a young child in wealthy circles, Japan's patriarchal society lends itself to the common practice of adopting full-grown adult men. The adoption ensures that a man will inherit the family business or accrued wealth while still contributing additional financial stability to the family leading up to death. Do they have to have do they have to have no living parents or do people just adopt someone and say Sorry, parents. I'm done with you. I'm going to go live with my new parents. I have no idea. I mean, if you're an adult, I don't know how you physically can be adopted. It doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense, but it is just as common as adopting children in Japan as adopting a full-grown adult man. I do want to understand the economics of this. So you're saying that like, if I adopt Kyle, right, he now contributes to my business. Is that right? You would you would hire him in your business, and right. your intent he would, would be eventually... he contributes to your business, and then you mm-hmm. contribute to him. You're going to will your company and your financial wealth to to Kyle upon your death. So now, it wh- stays quote unquote in the family, right? And it, sure, and it stays sure, male. Sure, sure. If you catch my drift. Oh, so but but if I get to let's say we get to age fifty or whatever, and we're you know still bowling our little hearts out, but we have a falling out, right? We're on rival bowling teams now, right? Can I like cut okay. him out of that will? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you control your uh, last will and testament, so you can will somebody out. But yeah, it seems like uh, a win win right now. Like he's contributing to my company, and then I get. But him you're nothing. also paying me. Sure. As an employee. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't give you anything. <laughs> you pull the rug so it's out just from like under him. anywhere else. Right. Oh, whatever. And I would, Except I would, uh, I'd, like I'd, I think I'd recommend against uh, willing. And I can uh, go in the carpool lane. You have benefits. <laughs> Yeah, I drive my car, so I've called carpool lane. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, I, it? Is that I, the I would, only benefit you can think uh, of? <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's probably some other like uh, taxes type thing. I got like a child now to take care of, dependent, Kyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, like just a chain around my ball, ball and chain around my neck, kind of yeah. anchor. And I'm really get that, get albatross. I am really weighing you down. Mm-mm. <laughs> don't like I think it's all. a little counterintuitive to uh, adopt somebody that could outlive you, Jamie. That's true. Since I am 14 years old and Kyle is 76, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that is my top five Japanese sad facts. Well, they were sad, and super sad. I don't know about adopting old men. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That's, yeah, it's funny to it's me. A little less. And then could we, could we adopt older people? Like, hey, we really yeah. we're like those old people that oh. we see feeding the birds. Can we adopt them? Well, also, I, I would say we made up for it. Even though that one was kind of funny and fun, we did make up for it by um, making kind of uh, insensitive jokes at some other <laughs> ones, which, which was just sad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was sad. It was on theme to make sad and appropriate jokes. Yeah. This is a sad episode. <laughs> it's a sad excuse of an episode. It's a, it's a sad it's a sad podcast if we just get right down to it. Thanks for listening to Submersion. Find us on SoundCloud and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Can't get enough of us? Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. And if you like what you heard, please go ahead and give us a rating.